0: Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Angelica Santana. Yep, she holds a Bachelor of Architectural Engineering with a focus on lighting and electrical systems from Pennsylvania State University. After graduating, she worked for Klein, Betridge, Bernstein Lighting Design in New York City on a variety of international projects. Then she moved to Washington and started working at CM Kling, where she has been since 2013. She now has started a yoga studio called Union Yoga and has recently been elected the IES District 3 Chair and will be starting her two year term this summer. But before we start talking to her, which is going to be super fun, by the way, we got to get a little crazy here, Greg Eric. The craziest people in lighting, that's technical consumer products. Go to tcpi.com, Greg Eric.
1: All right, and talk about taking multiple angles at once. That's what they told us once in a podcast with Ellison. Mm. That's what their QTL series LED Luminaire does. Customizable angles, cutting-edge LED technology, shining light where it matters most, gives you angled uh, strip lights that you can put in aisles, a V-shaped aisle lighter, reduced cave effect with uplighting. They also have high bays. They have strips. It's a f- fixture like nobody else has right now. Check out this QTL. It's awesome.
0: Always coming out hot, TCP. Go to Technical Consumer Products. Check them out. I go there every day, tcpi.com. And, of course, longtime members of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. We're coming up on two minutes here, folks. But quickly, Greg, we've got to talk about the NCQLP and their exam coming up in November.
1: Of course we do. One of The, the PhD in lighting. If you want to get one, do it. Take that LC.
0: Get that LC. Come on, man. Angelica. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's our pleasure. Um, Greg, why don't you fire it up here and I'll do a little bit of listening.
1: Yeah. Well, this is a, an interesting one here and I was, I was trying to read into it, but you have a lighting background and we're talking I yoga. Do. How, how does lighting, lighting and yoga relate? <laughs> Where are we at with this?
2: So it's more of a personal thing. So I've been practicing okay. yoga basically for the same amount of time that I've been doing lighting. I kind of started at Penn State, which is where I started lighting. Um, And it, you know, it kind of started as a physical practice, what, you know, your typical yoga class, you kind of go to the gym, you know, get a workout in or whatever. But then after the more I like learned about yoga and the more I got into it, the more I discovered that it was more than just a workout. And so I started getting deeper and deeper into it. Um, But in terms of, Union yoga, it's um, it's it's a way to bring those two sides of my life, um, lighting and and yoga together, because it's about bringing wellness into the lighting industry and then at the same time, opening up the lighting world to some of my yoga teachers that I had strong relationships with um, that probably people that probably would have never met. So it's kind of a, a special integration of the two, if you will.
1: Okay, so what you're read or Michael read a nice biography on yourself. But what do you do on a day to day basis just for lighting?
2: So I work at CM Kling. I'm a senior associate. Um, I have a team of. It's two full time people and then one person that's remote uh, in Barcelona. Actually, it's really cool. Uh, We have like an international team and then an intern. Um, So that's a, a team that I manage. So that's my day to day like Work, you know, every day. Right now, I'm in the office mm-hmm. at CM Kling. Um, so this union yoga thing is kind of on the side of that, um, but it's with, you know, it's with all the same people. I've been trying to contact all of the same people that I've met through lighting. So it's it's dealing with the same people in a in a new light, if you will.
1: Sure. And this the CM Kling, what do you do there exactly? Like your lighting design? And
2: I'm a lighting designer. Yes. Yep. Um, okay. and we have, okay. CM Kling has a, a long history with hospitality. Our founder, Candice Kling, uh, was an in-house lighting designer for Marriott for a while. And then she started this firm and that was about 40 years ago. Um, and then she passed away eight years ago. Um, and before her passing, she had actually transitioned the company to David Catan. Um, so I basically was his first full-time hire eight years ago. Um, so I've been growing up here as a lighting designer, basically, um, the bulk of, you know, the bulk of my career, um, until you know, where I'm at right now.
1: And you guys are international as well. It sounded like Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, Washington. we
2: have a, a Barcelona, unofficial <laughs> office. Um, but we also do have a lot more than and hospitality projects. Um, we do convention centers, uh for example we just finished the javits uh center expansion where you know hopefully Lightfair will be at mm-hmm. and we also worked on the vegas convention center they had an addition as well um so we have some pretty big uh big scale projects uh, a lot of hotels and a lot of commercial uh commercial and uh mixed use i would say
0: so I thought this was going to be a Starving for Darkness podcast, Greg. When I saw the guest, Um, I don't know if you know about that 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 other show we do. Yeah, because I'm like, because Jane's a a yoga instructor as well. Tell me um, about what lighting means for you. Like when you're doing a design, what is it? What does it mean to be a lighting designer, and what are you bringing to people through that profession?
2: Yeah, so I feel like lighting design as a whole is already the integration of. Architecture, the people, and the environment. I, I assume you've seen that fan diagram before of you know where it all comes together in the middle, and it's the integration of those three. Mm-hmm. Um, so So for me, I think the people are the most important part of the space. Um, and of course, you know making sure that their needs are met in terms of you know, right how much light they need to do whatever task is on the space, but also how we're affecting them psychologically. Like if we're having a positive impact um on their perception of like of their mood or whatever so if they're feeling relaxed or they're feeling stressed out the lighting can help with that even their health right so like if they're getting headaches or something that could be something that lighting can help with um and then also going to the environment side it's like what is our impact Uh, on this world, like in terms of how much energy we're consuming, what's happening with the materials that we're disposing of, are we, you know, are we being sustainable? Um, And of course, like, you know, meeting some, some of the projects that are going for well or for lead, that's great. Um, We work with that too. And then the architecture, it's like, it's basically painting with light, right? You're transforming a space and you're, you're giving it life. So at, at daytime, it looks like something beautiful because it has daylight. And then at nighttime, what happens to it? So that's when we come in because we focus mostly on um, electric lighting. Uh, and that's when we come in and then transform it. Do we wanna highlight some different features from the daytime or maybe the same ones? Uh, we can add drama, we can play with shadow you know, highlight all of the the special materials and then basically, uh, help the architects and the interiors dream of what the space is supposed to look like come to life.
0: So you speak about wellness. It's, It's an interesting thing because there's a lot of talk about the health effects of lighting, integrative lighting, circadian photobiology, and all this kind of stuff. And it's sort of like, um, people screaming from the sidelines. Okay. They're not actually in the lighting business. Very few people in the lighting business are, at the front lines, like lighting designers, lighting distributors, lighting contractors are really deploying this kind of stuff with any kind of confidence at this point. Right. But I've always said that lighting good lighting design is a healthy lighting system. And that in a sense that when, you know, you can make long before anyone talked about circadian photobiology, lighting designers were designing for prisons. They were designing for, uh, hotel lobbies. They were designing for hotel rooms. They were designing for corridors. And so how do you approach that? You talked about psychology. How do you approach a lighting project from a psychological perspective?
2: Yeah. So I mean, from, from just my background and my studies at Penn State, uh, we talked about the Flynn modes and how um, you can basically have different lighting effects that evoke a sense of a feeling so say for to make a space feel relaxed you want to have non-uniform lighting and i don't know if miss strike or hauser listening i better get this right but (laughs) um if you want to feel relaxed like you need some non-uniform lighting warm temper warm uh, cct lighting and draw the attention away from the person in the space of the user so we learned these tools already um in our you know, in school, and those are psycho You know, lighting affecting psychology because to get to make someone feel an impression of relaxation or stress or activity, um, you know, it it we already have these tools coming in of how the lighting affects those people, and it's it's like a list. It's it's a, almost like a prescribed. Um, so, so that's one way of it. Um, but then in It it could also be, um, I think, circulation. um, Helping with circulation is also a way to affect psychology because if you're making a What do you mean by
0: circulation? Tell me what you mean by that. Like
2: how you get around the space. So having a clear um, spatial awareness of what's around you and having it not feel like cluttered or messy, and the lighting can help with that too. Um, So that can make you feel more relaxed, I think if you're in a space, you're not like lost. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. Uh, I think another yeah. word for that would be queuing, right? So we can, we can cue people using lighting to go in certain directions or to, to stay in certain places or to wake up um, in, a, in a peaceful way. We can do these types of things, but um, when you're designing this way, would you know how to make a space where people weren't relaxed? Could you build a, a lighting system like if someone said to you okay we got a lighting challenge i want you to stress everybody out do you know how to do yeah. that
2: and, well yes and we have a project that uh required uh to keep people awake for long periods of time potentially more than 24 hours um so we have uh and i can't tell you what project it is but
1: can you describe uh, it? Can you describe the application yeah, without saying the name yeah
2: yeah, 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 yeah. uh yeah we used um blue lighting so we did uh it was basically um a type of work environment where these people could be in there for a long time and we did a lighting system that had down a downlight component that was white but an uplight component that was blue um and then the white light was actually i want to say it was very cool as well it was like 6500 kelvin and then the blue was like I don't know whatever nanometer wave is like royal blue, and then it was very uniform and it was bright, so that was like the combination of color temperature, uniformity, and light level that was able to hopefully keep these people alert. But that's not something you want to do, like you know, on a you don't want like a, a an owner of any company to be like, oh, let me wake up all my employees. Like this is a very specific application.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about, are they first responders? Are they uh military? What kind of application? It's, it's government. Yeah. Government. What are they doing there? <laughs> Try <trying> to just <laughs> yeah. be
2: shot, man.
0: <laughs> all right. So, all right. So you know how to, you know how to create these different effects when you approach a client. So distributors we're distributors. Um, some of us in Nailed are also contractors. And so there's a limitation to the amount of design that we do. Some do more than others, Greg. What do you say? Some have lighting designers on staff. Other people are selling product. Okay. But you're more you're more looking at a palette. So when, you're, when you have an architect or an interior designer approach you guys, what are you looking for with them when you're trying to design something, when you're trying to specify fixtures in that? What do you ask? What kind of questions are you asking them?
2: So specifically to, I mean, I, specifically to, to my company, CM Kling, um, we're really big on storytelling. So we wanna understand um, what the architect and in the interior, you know, the design team usually has some idea already of, of what they, they're looking for the space, why to design the space the way they did. Um, they, they kind of usually have a story. So we wanna be able to kind of take that story and then express it through light, and then potentially add to the story as well with light. Um, So, you know, we'll first do that schematic design and we'll try to understand the story of it. And then, you know, after that, we'll try to look at at, uh, the light level requirements that we need, what the products are gonna be, how we're gonna actually achieve that design that we intended to, Yeah, so that's later.
1: Can you tell me so a st- one question? Oh, go ahead. Mike.
0: You go ahead. I was going to ask her, let me just do yeah, it. Yeah. Give me an example of a story of a lighting story. Or give me an example of like, when you like tell us a tale, a lighting
2: tale. Oh, man, I wish I, would. I feel like I need to be a better storyteller, but, um, for example, um, we did the offices for, uh, a physical therapy headquarters. And, um, the, the architect's story was, you know, physical therapy. It's about movement and improving movement. So how can we uh, heal people through movement basically? And the whole building was designed in such a way to encourage you to take the stairs, for example, instead of the elevator so that the stairs were all like prominent features of the building. And that was like their big, you know, their big feature, they, they, they had a, the physical therapy room was actually in the corner of the building where you could see from, from multiple streets. So it was kind of like their jewel of, of the space was everything physical. Um, so what we did with, with lighting to add to the story was, okay, we definitely wanna integrate here a dynamic white lighting system so that it changes color throughout the day and hopefully um, make the people in the space feel connected to the outside. Um, And I I can't say like we were affecting their circadian rhythm because I don't have enough data, you know, to prove that we had enough light. Like, I don't have that data. We didn't go into that detail, but at least the psychological component of it, of like, we're not in a static place. We're in in a space that's continuously changing, which kind of ties back to movement, like literally. And we're also more connected to this world around us. Um, so I thought that was like a really solid reason to put a dynamic white system.
1: Sounds like a no, good that's, that's good. So, yeah, well, one of the things just with lighting design as a whole, and when I hear lighting designers talk, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And but what I sell and what Mike sell in a majority of the time and what I feel like a majority of the people are in is a standard office building, a production facility, a manufacturing plant, whatever, and they're there 8, 10, 12 hours a day. A hotel lobby, <clears throat> I'm in and out of. A physical therapy clinic, I'm there for an hour, you know, or whatever, the, whatever my th- session is. But how do we get lighting design into the major- mass, to, to the masses yeah. where it matters, probably more so than some of these other locations? Can we?
2: yeah so Out I mean way. even in, even in this project I just told you about that uh, the physical therapy it was their headquarters so it was an it was actually an office building they had the physical therapy portion on the bottom which was like you're saying kind of like a tra- transition space but the where we put the bulk of the dynamic white was actually for the people that were working for the physical therapy association so it was for their workers um, so you know I thought that was really cool we have dynamic uh, white lighting in our office as well Um, you know it's we we want to bring this to more projects it's just you know you know how ve is like it just doesn't make it through all the way
0: yeah because what happens sometimes is people look at the cost and they go "Woo, that sounds really cool except like you know i could say some names of brands but whoa can someone reverse engineer this for me so it's not four hundred and eighty thousand dollars you know, um, I think that happens quite a bit in the, in the industry, but you know, when, when we're talking about these, these uh, lighting, how do we, what biggest challenge I have? So I'm, I'm big into the darkness movement, dark skies, dark earth, dark water, and trying to um, have these discussions with clients. Okay. So we did this outdoor lighting project for a factory just recently. And what they wanted was hundred watt LED adjustable fixtures on along the roof of their building, shining out into the parking lot, dark sky disaster. Okay. So I said, okay, I'm going to give it a run for its money. I went in there and said, you know what we should do is go to 2,700 Kelvin, not 5,000 shield these off and direct them and control them. And it's only going to be 10,000 bucks more. Don't you want to do the right thing? And the answer of course was no, we want this thing lit up like a prison yard. It's about safety. It's about, you know, our people or whatever. And so I have these struggles. How do we, you know, if you ask a client, what color light do you want? 90% of the time, Greg, they're saying white is possible, right? Yeah. But that's actually not really what they want a lot of times. How do you yeah. overcome that at times with, with clients? Do you, have to, do you have to argue with them about you know, what is a good lighting system? Yeah. How do you do that?
2: Um, yeah. So I think it's all about education because a lot of clients, like you just said, they think they want white light um, because they think they want daylight but that's not really what they're getting when they actually install, you know, an LED system that is 5600 Kelvin because that's what daylight is like that's you're not getting the same thing. It's not equal. The, the color rendering is not the same. The spectral power distribution is not the same. So but they don't know that. Right. And they're being sold, especially like they go to Home Depot, they're being sold. like, Oh, this is a daylight bulb. Why would I get, you know. Uh, an orange bulb when I can get a daylight one. Um, so so it's about education. Um, it's also, you know, we're the, when, when a project hires a lighting designer, like we're the expert in lighting. So we're not like asking every client like, hey, what do you want? What CCT do you want here? What CCT do you want here? Like, we'll make uh, a recommendation. We'll put it in the luminaire schedule. Of course, some projects, some companies, hotels, they have brand standards or, you know, any sort of document that kind of states what the CCT should be for for the building, especially when they have multiple um, locations. We'll review that. If it, if it makes sense, great, we'll incorporate it. But if it doesn't, we'll argue back and explain, um, not argue, but, you know, nicely. We'll explain like why we think a different solution would be better. And I think... That's why of you're wrong
0: and I'm right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Duh.
0: I think that's the fundamental—that's yeah. the fundamental difference between what designers do and distributors do. So designers are actually being paid for the knowledge. Distributors are being paid for the components, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And so
0: we don't have as much of that authority or leverage. Um, and we're, you know, what I say—you know—tell people what they need, sell them what they want. At the end of the day, right? Because we, you know, we're a business. But you know what's interesting? Like, you ask if you go to the average person on the street and you say, "Hey, why don't you like CFL bulbs?" They're gonna say they're too white, they're too blue, right? They don't even understand that the bulbs come in different color temperatures, and that you can buy a 2700K CFL or a 2700K LED, or you can buy a different one. You can buy one that changes color. um right. in, the, in the in the new world, but Greg, you had something you wanted to ask i interrupted you there
1: oh yeah no not a problem i was just gonna i was kind of ready to shift it over to the yoga side of things and Mm, let's do it and getting there was there a specific moment that had hit you that hey light and yoga Mm -hmm. lighting and yoga relate or is it just something that gradually happened over time
2: uh no i think there was a specific moment um i was feeling pretty burned out last year like summer you know after the pandemic started and um being kind of stuck at home, not being able to do, uh, some of the things I liked, like with my friends and group, I like dancing. Um, so I would, you know, I, I was a little bit of a dance teacher for part of it. So I would, I was pretty involved in the dance community. And then I was pretty involved in like the yoga community, like going to yoga, you know, in-person classes and, and the instructors and stuff. So I got to a point and, and I mean, you guys are in this, in this business lighting, um, it's pretty stressful. And at least from a, from a design perspective, like we're, you know, our, our clients and architects and interiors and stuff, they're very stressed out. Like the project deadlines are, you know, kind of getting quicker and quicker and there's more projects and everything's kind of like shrinking in terms of deliverable time. So um, I was just really feeling it. So I needed uh, to take a, a little break and David was super graceful. He, let me take a month off to do a yoga teacher training. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and after like that one month and just being like immersed and, and, and when I say, when I say yoga, I don't mean just the physical practice, but I mean um, the whole like wellness lifestyle of yoga. So like I was meditating, I was trying to eat right. um, I was learning a lot about the history of, of yoga in terms of, um, it's, more, it's more like a, it's not a, it's not a religion, but it, it has a spiritual practice component to it. Um, and just like doing basically that for the entire day, it really was like a healing, a healing practice and a healing moment. And I came out like super energized. I was like, okay, what? I gotta do something with, with this yoga stuff too. Like, I'm, I'm i don't I'm not interested in going out to to teach like at a studio. Like, that's not. I want to keep my, my career, my profession. I, I love lighting, but how can I integrate this? So that was like the moment. It was basically last summer, where it kind of like.
0: So the reason clicked. I thought you were going to be a, a starving for darkness guest was that. Um, there's, there is a, um, we often talk about it with Jane and I often talk about it on that show. And that is that, um, people are starved for a sense of who they are in the universe. And part of that starving is that we don't engage with darkness correctly and you know, it, it, you know we have the fear of darkness still, because humans have always been afraid of the dark. But we don't have the awe-inspiring experiences that we would have had. Even 50 or 60 years ago, most people would walk out and be able to see the Milky Way and see the parodies shower from their backyards, um, asteroid shower from their backyards. And really, there's something awe-inspiring and grounding and, about those experiences. And some of the people we've talked to on Starving for Darkness... When they describe these, you know, I was taken and blindfolded and laid down on a rock in a in a in a in a um, national park that had a dark sky thing, and then it was a you know, a highest level of clarity and all this last night, and then they they took off the blindfold and boom, there was all the stars. And the way they speak about it sometimes sounds like a psychedelic experiences. Like the, it sounds very similar to when people talk about experiences with ayahuasca or with um, uh, I forgot the name of that other mushroom, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, or whatever. It sounds very, very similar. And so, I, I feel like the, the the growth of the yoga movement in North America or in the West is correlates very closely to the um, the reduction in darkness in our lives. I think the two of them. You know, have and people don't obviously. This is a correlation I'm making ad hoc as an anecdote, but I think there's something there that people are are starving for this, and when they find yoga or they find meditation or they find people that are telling them to sit here and be in your own presence for an hour. And do some stretches. So you have the hatha yoga, which is more relaxing. Or maybe power yoga, which is sort of, you know, maybe more of a physical exercise. But at the end, there's a meditation part part of it to it. People are needing this very, very badly. And when people say, how does it relate to lighting? Well, I don't think that lighting is actually an external thing. I think we are light. I actually think we are creatures of light. And I think colors are light. I think everything that we we have relates to light and sometimes when i've done yoga power yoga specifically and after i finish that session i actually close my eyes and i enter like a very deep state with my eyes closed but i'm seeing light like i can see light in there i know it sounds crazy to say that but my eyes are closed and then all of a sudden i can see these lights the white it's often it's a white it starts as like a like a uh, a like a white sort of flashing and then it it turns into like a larger whiteness that's light where does it come from it's coming from the inside of us and why do we need it i mean you took a month to do it and you came back refreshed and fired up and and so we humans we have somehow parlayed ourselves into a position where there's no place for darkness there's no place for that calm serenity silence that you get from yoga you think that I'm correct on that? I know it's like a, a straight up question, but do you think that my hunch there is correct?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, just basically what you were just saying, just to add, but uh, the word yoga in Sanskrit means union. And it's it's kind of what you're talking about because we're looking for that connection. And it's it's basically a connection of, us as an individual self to like a higher self or like, you know, it could, you could call it God or whatever, something beyond you means to you. Um, so it's about that connection. And also um, in yoga, similar to Buddhism, like you are not separate from this world. You just, you happen to have a body, but you are connected to everything so for example even when i was listening uh to a a buddhist book this morning and even when you're sitting in meditation in a a, when you're meditating on an object so you you have an object of meditation you're focusing on something and you are literally focusing let's call it a flame you're like you have a candle you're focusing on this candle that's what you're meditating on and then when you are thinking of that candle like that candle is in your in your mind, therefore you are that candle for that second that you're thinking about it. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but if you, if you think about it, it's like anything that you think of that seems to be external is actually a process that's happening internal. Like every time you talk to a person or every time you look at someone, um, every time you look at something, that's really an image that is in, in, in your mind. Um, of course, there is something physical out here, but it's your interpretation of that object or your interpretation of that person. It's almost like everything is happening in your mind, and your mind, for me at least, and um, I don't know if you've if you've read quantum healing, but there's a deep connection. Just going back to the you know the word connection union, there's a, a connection between the body and the mind, so they are not actually. That's the belief that they're not actually separated. So anything that, any positive input or any anything that you put into your mind will have an effect on your body and vice versa. So um, for example, if you're eating the wrong food, that's potentially giving you, you know, like a stomach ache or something, you might actually have anxiety related to that too. You don't know why you have anxiety. You don't know why you can't sleep. Oh, well, maybe it's because... Your body is not feeling well, and they're tied together. Um,
0: I think it's I deeper. Know. I think it, it actually might even be deeper than that, Angelica. When I when I think about this sort of stuff, um, you know, oftentimes um, you know people that have a meditation practice or whatever, and they find sort of transcendental meditation or whatever, and they have these scenarios where you know newcomers come to learn to meditate, and they're, the newcomers are often obsessed with the rules of how to meditate which I find kind of awkward. So, you know, oh, you have to sit like this and your hands have to be like this and you have to clear your brain of thoughts and you have all these different things that you're trying to do. And I think the trying is where people are struggling. It's like you need to stop trying, actually. You need to stop trying to win the... Like, only in the West would you have yoga competitions. Have you, heard, have you seen these before? There's like competitions. Like, is that not antithetical to the idea of yoga? I don't know. I mean, I just throwing it out there as a possibility. I don't do much yoga. I like it sometimes. But the, the idea of competing um, is, is where the, the idea of it falls apart or I don't know how to meditate or I can't clear my mind of thoughts. Those ideas, it's, it's almost Yoda, not yoga, but Yoda ish, you know, you, you, you need to be able to relax. Actually, that's what, that's what we're That's what it's about. And people are discovering these different ways to relax. It's pathetic to me that we're so stressed out that we don't even know how to relax,
2: like, yeah, but you understand
0: what i mean? saying? Like people are struggling I, with that.
2: I do, but yoga is also about compassion mm-hmm. and kindness. <laughs> so, and it's, it's not just to others, but to yourself as well. So like mm-hmm. the idea of like, I'm trying to meditate, I'm sucking at it. Like, I can't do this. like that taking that thought and then shifting it to it's okay. This is where I'm at. Like, yeah. it's going to be okay. I'll yes. try, you know, like I can try again later but but that's not natural like the way you know society works right now it's all about like do 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 like Mm -hmm. action 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 and you know the better you multitask great and then there's you know tv and the phone like things that are literally built to be addictive (laughs) so it's you know it's it's something that's a very strong pull all around us so it's understandably, that people are feeling this way. Um, but, and, to, and then going back to what you're saying, like meditation is a practice, and there's steps to be able before you can, you know, transcend, there's steps that you need to take. And one of those first steps before you can meditate and like, let go of everything is actually uh, learning how to focus your your mind. Because if you can't focus your mind on one thing, for a period of time, you're never gonna be able to have that control of your mind that you can let go. So it is a practice and you start, you know, by trying and sitting there and whatever, and then coming back to it. There's always like a thing like, okay, your thoughts, you know, your your mind is like a monkey brain. You're gonna have, you, you can't control your mind at first, especially if you've never tried to. Um, so like thoughts are literally coming in, one after the other. And and that's what the mind's meant to do. It's meant to keep you know, keep you alive and like keep you going and stuff like that. And then the way that we're living with living with all of these stresses. I mean, the phone is stressful. Every time I get a text message, you know, like what is it? Uh, uh, like whatever. So every input is stress. Um but we do have to practice. And it, it's not easy. It it it's hard to to do something that might, it it almost seems counterintuitive at first. Right,
0: I'm going to push back on you in that, but I think I'm actually going to say the same thing. Okay. Okay. I actually think that true meditation is about not focusing. I think it's, I think it's, but I think it achieves the same thing in the end that you're talking about. So, like, if, you, if you're focused, you're like, oh, you're trying to meditate. Oh, I got to call my wife. I got to do this later. Then I'm going to go grocery shopping. Then I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to have, you know, whatever. And I got to pick up the kids from hockey. Like, there's that type. That, that's not focused. That's chatter in your mind, right? That's, that's not my, focused, yeah. mind chatter, right? So you say, okay, let all that just slide by. Don't try to resist it. Let it slide by. Let it go through like clouds in the sky. Let all that stuff slide by, and then wait till there's nothing left. Don't try to but resist there's... it. Don't try to resist but it. Let it all go.
2: Normally, normally, I would say, in our current state of being normally, there's not going to be nothing left, like, unless you're dead.
1: <laughs> I don't so, know.
2: <laughs> I mean, maybe you're an expert meditator. No, I'm
0: not. I'm not an expert in anything. But I, I've, I've often seen people struggling with meditation and they're trying to like do the rules or something. Um, like who's that guy? Um, I agree, I enjoy his books. Um, he's a doctor out in California. Ah, what's his name? He's an Indian doctor. Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra. Okay. And he's like, this is what you have to do. And people are trying to do this. And it's like, they're failing. And I feel like saying to them, you know, forget all that. Just relax. Go lay down on your bed for a while and turn off your phone. And then after you can do that for five minutes, maybe try doing something a little bit more advanced. But just try to relax. I think a lot of people don't want to relax. I want to, I want to ask, I want to change gears one more time. Um, I believe that light, all light, the light inside, the outside, the darkness, the starlight, the moonlight, the sunlight, and electric light is information. I think we don't think, or maybe it's meta information. Maybe it's like deeper than information. So the sun tells the, 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 the trees to grow. The moon tells, pulls the ocean over here and then lets it go again. And so there's like this play of light in our lives. And what we've done with through lighting design and what we're trying to do with the health effects of lighting is sort of understand that language. And we're looking for that Rosetta Stone. And the reason why the lighting industry is such a dynamic place. It's one of the most dynamic industries. So many different people in the lighting industry that are interacting with it in different ways is because we don't actually understand light very well we don't understand what it is we don't know why it exists and we don't understand how our consciousness relates to light and darkness is that something you would agree with as well
2: um i have to i mean i never thought about lighting like what you're saying as a as a language like that but but it does make sense as you're going through it um for sure um and then i mean the understanding the understanding part of it is just like, I mean, those are just like such deep, you know, questions that you could ask about, like, why are we here? Why does gravity, you know, like, what? Sure. What is gravity, uh, space time, um, uh, relativity? I mean, the, and that, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's like the one thing that is constant throughout. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that it's kind of like the language of the universe. Um, yeah, that was very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it would be interesting to think, like a lighting designer, you, walk in, like, you know when you walk into a really beautiful hotel and you just feel like, oh, thank God, I'm at the Ritz-Carlton or whatever, right? It's so beautiful, right? You walk in. I think lighting is fundamental to that. I don't think lighting is an extra. I think lighting is what's making you feel that way. And that's my, 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 uh, my position on that. Angelica, do you have any final thoughts for the distributors who got taken on a wonderful yoga lighting design journey today?
2: Um, no, I mean, thank you so much, first of all, for having me. I know, uh, it, this might be a, a little bit of a atypical subject for this podcast, but, um, I, I just want to like, let you guys know and every, anyone that's listening that, uh, union yoga is, is a virtual, uh, platform that we're doing. Like I said, when I talk about yoga, I mean, wellness in a, a bigger sense. So it's really a wellness program. And it's it's something that I really want to bring into our industry. And I, I think uh as as companies and as business owners, we need to take care of our people. Um they are our most valuable asset. And it's it's kind of a no brainer. I mean, the, the happier people are, um, the better that they feel, the better that they work. So
1: And just to describe that a little further, what what exactly do you do? Is it a weekly sessions? Is it monthly or how does it work for Union Yoga?
2: So the, the idea is like every company and every team is a little bit different. So I wanted to do this in a very customizable way. Um, so I'll basically have a, an intro call with a potential client and then we'll develop a package from there. And it can be something that it happens two times a week, once a week or every other week. Um, and it's, it can include uh, a variety of, of, it's kind of like an a la carte menu, and, and we have uh, wellness workshops that vary in, in topic from more business coaching to more like physical wellness and nutrition. Um, and uh, there's also some, you know, some interesting topics there about how to connect your personal values with the values of the company. There's some really interesting topics. Um, and we also have your typical yoga class, like if you if you went to a studio somewhere. Um, it can, it can be something relaxing to something more powerful. And then we do breath work and meditation sessions. Cause that's really important. Um, being mindful and being present and connecting to your breath, which is kind of, if you think about it, the connection between your mind and your body. So.
0: All right. All you distributor lighting dorks out there, Greg, we're going to set up a nailed, uh, you gotta go to unionyogadc.com, check it out. But you know what? We should get Corey Schneider, Spencer miles and the rest of the crew. Matt Leasing, Brian Brian Amundsen, and the rest of the crew, we're going to get you stretching and out. We're going to get you meditating and doing yoga. That's right in your so living room.
2: Thin. We're going to
0: get them. I'll do a session. <laughs> Angelica, oh, awesome. it's been a
1: pleasure.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Folks, it's time to get crazy again, Greg. Should we right now?
1: I think we just have been and continue to be, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: crazy folks, the craziest people in lane, that's com, Technical Consumer Products. Greg, what do they got going right
1: now? They got that QTL fixture. You have to check it out. It's something unique that not ad- cool. anybody else has. V-shaped, mm-hmm. aisle lighters, they have high bays, they have strip lights, different lumen packages, wattages, colors, and they can put the light where you need it. That's what's special about it. So do Ooh. it. Go to tcpi.com
0: and of course the national association of innovative lighting distributors we're going to start a yoga group so that that's will be a new yoga committee i'm not i'm not i'm not kidding I'm sorry, i might actually do it i always say these things but sometimes it ends up happening and uh, of course folks lc nailed used to be not used to be but was it still is but when you join nailed paul hafner would grab you and he'd say you're doing your lc you're going to get your lc and we, we had Paul pushing everybody down that run. And, you know, that was a great, I, 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 you know, RIP Paul Hafner. But, folks, that's the PhD in lighting. So go to ncqlp.org. Check them out. And if you made it this far, you know, I will tell you, I love you. All you listeners out there, all you people out there, and get a grip on lighting land, in nail land, Greg and I, and I speak for Angelica, sure, here I do. I, I'm sure I speak for Angelica as well here. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.